This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Dorinda Wood, and I was the costume designer on Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2, and you are listening to Trek FM. The old grey heart. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today is the wonderful Joe Keegan and the amazing Justin Ozer. Joe, how are you? Joe is good. Joe is excited. Joe got his new Tesla Model 3 yesterday, and Joe is very exciting. Can't wait to finish podcasting so I can go out and sit and play in it and watch netflix and stuff oh my gosh I know, uh, okay i see so the car is more important than us now well, that's that's fine no it's just that new shiny thing i'm like a magpie um the new shiny thing on my horizon is the thing i want to be doing right now <laughs> i see so mm. okay that's that's justin like how about you uh doing well yeah i haven't seen you for a couple of weeks amy you've been on the cruise so tell us how was the cruise well it was Quite amazing. I cannot believe uh, how different it was from Star Trek Las Vegas, uh, the convention. So on the ship, they had it all decked out and they had uh, some props and a museum and, you know, signs everywhere and they decked out the bars. So it was Quark's bar and everything. Um, And they had, of course, panels. But what I appreciated on the cruise was not only did they have panels, but they had like game shows and they had uh, Hollywood squares where the actors and the actors uh, read some scripts that they had written. I mean, it just was so different to see them in their creative element that I wish they would do more things like that at Star Trek Las Vegas. So for that purpose, it was really quite amazing to see them in their true element doing different creative things rather than just talking about shows that are, you know, 50 years old. Yeah, I, I have to say I saw on social media the the different things that were coming out of it, images and videos, and I was quite jealous because they were doing some incredible things that you never see. Like one of the things that I saw that they did, I don't know if you got to see this, but uh, one of the things that had happened, I think it was in the late 90s, was there was this audio drama called Q versus Spock. That, yes, that, that was so good. And, and the original one had John Delancey and Leonard Nimoy. Of course, unfortunately, Leonard Nimoy has passed away. But they did like a revival of it with John Delancey and Ethan Peck as Spock. Yes. So I'm like, so you saw that? Yeah, I was oh there God. for that. And it was so good. And Ethan That's Peck, amazing. of course, amazing. Yeah. And they were doing like, yeah, all kinds of stuff that was like, wow, I've never seen anything like that. 
Yeah, and they did like readings for the Dawson trials where they were talking about um, the school board and infinite, or not infinite, uh, intelligent design creationism versus, you know, the science of uh, evolution. And they, all the actors were there and they were reading different parts and and they did this really cool thing with Mary Chifa, like whose line is it anyways, like improv skits and stuff and... Incredible. Mary is hilarious. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. You made us so, so jealous. But I'm glad you got to experience that, you know, in a time when you could still, you know, freely take a cruise. So, <laughs> yeah, we got in just under the wire. Yeah, we uh, were able to disembark and I got home safely and no one got sick on the ship. So it was all yeah. good. Good. Well, I'm so glad you had a great experience. But. I just wanted to ask about that because we were wondering, that's why you were away for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. And thank you for those who filled in, uh, Rob Chapman and who's the one that's coming out this Tuesday? Mike Wong. Oh, yes. Mike Wong. Yes. So very excited. Yeah. So we had some great guests, but there is nothing to compare to Amy. So we're glad you're here. Oh, Well, let's get to some Babel Conference feedback. This is from Earl Grey 314, where we compared balance of terror and neutral zone, and we had guest Tim Robertson on. Uh, So, Justin, why don't you read that one, since you weren't there for that? I wasn't there for that one, but I enjoyed the discussion. Um, So, Karen Chuplis says, I'm with Joe. I like the frozen people. The neutral zone story is, in my opinion, not that riveting. Well, thank you for your comment, Karen. I really like the frozen people too. I think it's a fun part of it. And I like the neutral zone. I think it's it's good and entertaining overall. Balance of terror is far superior, but but yeah, I think it's a it's it's good and I like the the frozen people. So there you go, Joe. Well, Karen, this is true. Do you know what? Um they're both good episodes, but what really wins it is Karen. I really like Karen now. She's like Karen for the win. So thank <laughs> you, Karen. She's with you. Yeah. yeah. Mark Keller says, Balance of Terror is great, but I think the neutral zone is just average. The frozen guy from Texas is really corny, and I dislike the big forehead and shoulder pads look. TOS and Picard Romulans are much better looking. They were, however, some great TNG Romulan episodes later on. Um, Yeah, thanks for your comment, Mark. Um, Yes, I think the Texas guy is just intentionally corny. Just a, a throwback. I think he's meant to be yeah. funny. Yeah. And then there's the old yeah. capitalist guy, Mr. Vanderhausen yeah. or whatever his name is. Um, yeah, they're just like ancient stereotypes, aren't they? Um, I, I, I will repeat what I've said before. I'm really enjoying the way the Romulans are portrayed in Picard. And they're now no longer monolithic. There's there's every, every different type of Romulan you've ever seen. I, mean, I don't think we've seen any big shoulder pads in Picard, right? But there are still shoulder pads that are very evident. So I love that part because I just laugh every time I see the big shoulder pads. And that's how you know you're dealing with a Romulan because they got the big (laughs) shoulder pads. (laughs) We've not seen any of like Shinzon's weird skinny up shoulder pads with the the black (laughs) in a pearlescent material. That was just weird disco Romulan. But we can... Talk about Picard Romulans later. Maybe. Okay. All right. Uh, so Kimberly Lawler writes in, Amy, I hope your students like the example of logical reasoning from the show. As a student, I would have loved to have had a teacher who showed Star Trek clips in class. 
Well, thank you, Kimberly. I don't know how much my students enjoy it, but I sure like sharing it with them. So they just have to suffer through since it's my classroom. <laughs> yeah. And, and some of them, I mean, connect, some of them connect with it, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I wish I would have had a teacher that did that. I never had a teacher who ever showed Star Trek in my class. And maybe that's why I didn't become a fan until I was 30 years old. <laughs> right. I'm trying to start them young. That's for sure. Yeah. Might as well. All right. Well, we have some more from Earl Grey 315, uh, Picard's best partner with guest Rob Chapman. And I just wanted to say thank you for including me in that discussion because I really like Anish. Uh, you guys certainly did uh, have a love letter to Nella. We did. And, okay. um, yeah. But but I wanted to put in your points for Anish, and we had a good discussion about her. Yes, you did. Um, but Vera Bible says, I love Lieutenant Commander Nella Darren. Their shared appreciation of music and Picard opening up about his experience in the inner light was lovely. I wish that character had been around longer, as it was so enjoyable seeing Picard having a nice home life and being happy. It so rarely happens on this show. Your point about Darren bringing out the best in Picard is spot on. I couldn't agree more. Well, thanks, Vera. I mean, you're our you know new favorite listener because you completely agreed with me, Joe, and and Rob in loving Nella Darren. And I know for we'll get to this for some listeners, you know, not as much into Nella Darren, but uh, it was interesting that we had that alignment because Joe, I didn't know that you would feel that way before we started on the episode. Oh, uh, it was it's just easy because we have so much in common. Me and Nella Darren. Well, she's a woman. Um, Okay. I thought you were going to say me and you have a lot in common. That's okay. Well, we do. That's <laughs> love of Star Trek. Um, but yeah, the science, I did astronomy at university with physics. Um, she was an astrophysicist. Um, and she played the piano. And yeah. so it was, it I was mean, an easy for, for me, it makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of a minority opinion, I think. It's a strange opinion not to have. <laughs> Yvette Blackman says... This episode was a Nella Darren love fest with an eye roll emoji. I think the three of you love her more than Jean-Luc ever did with a facepalm emoji. I can't wait for next week's episode with a smiley, shy, embarrassed emoji, I think that is, possibly. Hmm. It's got rosy cheeks, though, which means like a shy embarrassment, maybe. I'm not sure. But thanks for your event, Blackman. I don't know quite what to think about the eye roll emoji. We put our we put our I argument <laughs> we put our argument um, forward very well for Nella Darren that in a way that nobody could possibly argue with it. Not even Jean Luc Picard face palm. Yep. <laughs> but, but but at the same time, as we pointed out, Picard was so happy in that episode mm -hmm. with Nella Darren, and it was making him do things where like people on the ship were seeing how happy he was. So. But yeah, I, I can see. I know that uh, it kind of became a love fest for Nella Darren, but um, I'm I'm not regretting that. No, not <laughs> that's just how I feel. And I think <laughs> it's what Vera said. It was lovely to see. So it's a comfortable. It's gonna give you warm, cozy feelings inside that Picard's happy. Well, we have Michael Bentley who writes in and says, "No one mentioned Picard's Nexus fantasy redhead. If he hadn't had such a strong sense of duty and compassion." He could have decided to stay with her forever. I agree with you all about Nella Darren, although I'm still a bit torn between her and Beverly. Well, thank you, Michael. Um, yeah, there was that little tiny bit in the nexus. But yeah, he definitely had his duty uh, that he needed to get back. So glad for that because he would have been there forever and we wouldn't have had a movie. 
I mean, maybe, but I don't think we see him having all that much of a connection with, uh, with that woman in the Nexus. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a really brief thing. So, and we've said before it would, so was that with the weird it, Victorian woman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Christmas. Yeah. Okay. And we've said before, I think it would have been better if it was actually, you know, Beverly Crusher or something in the Nexus, but or oh well. <laughs> somebody said his wife from the inner light. Yeah. Oh, that, would have been yeah. that would have been good too. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, Michael, that we weren't thinking about that because it is a pretty brief one, <laughs> but, but yeah, too many to choose from as usual. Well, for today, we are going to talk about in continuing our series on badass. And for this character, we are going to highlight badass Guinan moments. Uh, I am going to ask first before getting to our picks, like, how did you go about uh, choosing? Because with Guinan, I felt it was very difficult because all of her moments, I just feel, are so badass. And they're not as many because she is just a guest character. Um, so, Justin, how did you go about uh, deciding which moments to choose? Before I get into that, I just want to acknowledge we're doing this topic now because Whoopi Goldberg is going to be playing Guinan in Season 2 of Picard. So it seemed very timely to look at this. Um, so, yeah, it, it was kind of hard to choose so what i actually did was uh Guinan was in 29 episodes of tng and two movies right so i actually i didn't have the time to watch all those episodes um but i've you know seen them a number of times so i just kind of went to a site that has the scripts for the different episodes and i went through all the appearances with and like search for her lines and then just kind of thought about the different appearances so i was just thinking about it in terms of i mean I think I've said before, when we talk about badass, it's usually defined as like tough and uncompromising. So I was looking for those Guinan moments where she was doing something that was difficult to do or where there might be resistance, but she's doing it for, you know, the betterment of a person or for everyone. So that's kind of how I thought of it. I still came up with many more than three moments, which I haven't actually organized yet. So I'm going to see maybe what gets picked. And then from there, just kind of, because I feel like any of these moments could totally qualify. She has such strong moments, even though, you know, she was in 30 episodes or something like that. So that's kind of how I went about it. Okay. Joe, how did you minimize your list of the many episodes that she was in? Okay. So I really struggled with this. Now, I like the character of Gainan, but... I don't, I don't necessarily think she's badass, so I think I've maybe taken kind of really loose, super loose definition of what badass is. I like what Justin said a minute ago about how she's doing something to help someone else or help the situation. I've kind of included that as being badass. And so I've maybe got like five or six choices, and I think most of them might be quite obvious choices. Um, and it's... It's about, they're all good. Everything that she's in is good because Whoopi Goldberg is such a good actress. But it's about what Guinan's doing as a character. And it's her, she looks like young, but she's hundreds of years old. So she's this old, kind of wise, sagey figure that knows more than, she's such an enigma. You don't really know what she's all about. So that's what's kind of intriguing about her. Yeah, I went on to Memory Alpha and, you know, they had a nice timeline of her and there's really not much to her backstory. Like you said, she is an enigma. And the ones that I chose, I was like, oh, but this is so obvious. But I was like, you know what? 
I'm just going to choose them and we'll see where the chips fall. And <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you guys have multiple choices because I have my three and then I have one honorable mention. So, um, and also I had a little difficult time because of my love of Deanna Troy, where she is the ship's counselor, but yet <laughs> there Finan was a particular amazing... moment that I didn't choose because of that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know. That's so I know point. Guinan and Troy sometimes are at odds with me because I feel like, you know, those lines could have gone to Troy in some instances, but we definitely needed Guinan in, in the others. So, oh, I'm very excited to get going. Well, Joe, let's start with you. Oh, no, me. Okay, so I'm going to start with an episode I think we maybe talk about every week. It like comes up okay. increasingly on Earl Grey. I think if we went through all 317 episodes of Earl Grey and mapped out episode mentions, this would come up a lot, I'm sure. And that episode is The Measure of a Man, which is, I think, is really obvious. So there's a conversation Guinan has with Picard. Um, no, yes, it is Picard. I thought it was Riker for a moment. Um, so I'm just going to relay the conversation as quickly as I can. Guinan says, do you mean his argument was that good? Picard says, Riker's presentation was devastating. He almost convinced me. Guinan, you've got the harder argument. By his own admission, data is a machine. Picard, that's true. I'm going to jump ahead. Um, Guinan then says, well, consider that in history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures. They do the dirty work. They do the work that no one else wants to do because it's too difficult or too hazardous. And an army of data is all disposable. You don't have to think about their welfare. You don't have to think about how they feel whole generations of disposable people. And then Picard hits the nail on the head and says, you're talking about slavery. Which is like, whoa, kind of, kind of mind-blowing. It's obvious. And it's kind of interesting that they get Guinan to have that conversation, being a black woman. I just really like that. It's that it's Guinan being a counsellor, isn't it? Um, and not Troy. Um, and she's... She's given Picard little nuggets of her wisdom from our hundreds of years of experience. Is it Guinan being a counselor or is it Guinan helping him with his trial strategy? He's counseling him in mm. his trial strategy. So I don't really see. Mm. Okay. It's providing counsel. Like it could be legal counsel then, couldn't it? Okay. His legal counselor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a really great moment, Joe. It was definitely on my longer list. And I may have mentioned it in a previous Earl Grey, but that scene almost didn't happen. And it just so happened at the last minute that Whoopi Goldberg was available, so they wrote something for her. But it's really powerful and one of the most memorable things that happens in, in The Measure of a Man. Um, and and yeah, it's it's just her leading Picard to this, this conclusion of what's really going on and what's really at stake here. And... And I think it's it's badass just in like her, and we'll see this, I think, in some other moments, her ability to really like keep pushing on things, keep pushing on things, keep pushing on things until you break through to the real truth that needs to be said, you know? I think she's really good at that. She leads people. Sorry, Amy. She, she knows where she wants people to go and she leads them there. But you really want to listen to her. There's something about her. You're like drawn in and you... 
you want to you want to be where she wants you to be at. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And this was my number one pick as well. So thank you, Joe, Sorry. for stealing Sorry. it. It was interesting to think about that they had Guinan and you mentioned, you know, her being a black person, you know, giving this counsel to Picard and thinking, well, there was LeVar Burton, uh, Jordy, who could have definitely had this conversation with him. However, I think it would have been too on the nose with Jordy since he had, you know, was known for playing uh, in Roots, yep, you know. Kinti. And uh, so I really like that they have Guinan doing this. And I feel that this is a, definitely a scene that wouldn't be a good Troy fit uh, in part because you get the wisdom uh, that Guinan has through the years, you know. And I just feel that she, like you said, leads him in a way that is allows him to understand the true purpose, you know, and where it could lead. And I just, I love this. I just really feel it's definitely badass that she allows Picard to get there on his own by pointing out, you know, some basic truths. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think also I hadn't thought about it much before, but this is, this is before we find that out, but it also relates to, the experience of Guinan's people with the Borg, where basically they were disposable people and they were being kind of enslaved by the Borg. So there's that like other level that gets added once you see that episode later. And I think it makes, I think it makes more sense because of her age as well. Like you say, Amy, because she's she'll have seen slavery in action, like anywhere she's been, probably including Earth when she was alive and well when Mark Twain and the in the U.S., slavery was was a thing. So, well, the time that that she was there, it wasn't by that point. But we don't know how long she had been there, so she may have seen something like that. When was she? In, in when when she comes to Earth, it's eighteen ninety three, and that's a couple decades after slavery is outlawed oh, in the U.S. Okay. But but still, there would be those kind of you know remnants of that oppression, and there were things going on in the in the South that was. Jim Crow of, laws. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a substitute for slavery, except in name. I think yeah. maybe even now. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. Not overt slavery, I, but. Oh, modern slavery is well, a but thing. There, but, so. but, there, but the, yeah, there is slavery that happens in different parts of the world, for sure, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It is still a problem. Yeah. 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 Great pick. Okay, Joe, good pick. Sorry, Amy. Good pick. You, you can steal one of mine. Well, I hope so. Mm. <laughs> um, well, Justin, let's get uh, your first yeah. pick. Well, you guys talk about a lot of obvious picks, and I probably have a lot of them on my list. But let's go with something that's less obvious that maybe isn't on your list. <gasps> okay. Is this a time when Gaining time traveled back to Earth? So you, I can't believe you still haven't let go of that. Never let go. <laughs> it's my thing. No. Justin's favorite episode. I love Time, time Zero, Zero, but no, Time Zero is not on okay. my list. I did consider it, sure. but it's not on my list. All right. So it actually comes from Hollow Pursuits, which, of course, we know is the first episode with Barclay, where he has his hollow addiction and all that stuff, right? Um, but what I wanted to get at is a conversation between Guinan and LaForge. And and I'll read some some parts of that. I think it's when they're in they're in 10 forward and you know LaForge is having all of these issues with with Barclay, right? Um, and, and Guinan says, you engineering types don't appreciate imagination. And LaForge says, that's not it, Guinan. He just doesn't fit in here. And Guinan says, Turkum. What? 
Reminds me of Turkum, my mother's brother, sort of the family misfit. Everybody told me to stay away from him. Bad influence. Did you? Are you kidding? He was the only member of the family who had a sense of humor, except no one ever stayed around him long enough to realize it but me. My mother tells me I remind her of him, and I probably do. The idea of fitting in just repels me. Maybe I'm not making myself clear, Guinan. Barclay, well, he's always late. The man's nervous. Nobody wants to be around this guy. And Guinan says, if I felt that nobody wanted to be around me, I'd probably be late and nervous too. Guinan, that's not the point. Are you sure? Excuse me. And she just walks away. And I think that is such an amazing scene because, you know, Barclay is, is having this difficulty and Guinan is getting to the heart of this issue. Like the perception that you have of this guy is making him behave in this way where he's nervous and he's late and like maybe you just need to kind of look at this a, a different way and not like he's an annoyance, but he's somebody that you want to try to understand and see how you can best work with him. So I think, it again, it's one of those moments where she's just like pushing against it, pushing against it, like, like let me tell you a story and are you sure that's what's going on and then that it's all his fault. So I, I love that moment and had to pick it. That's really interesting. That is a very good moment. Um, and as you were talking about it, it just made me think about my students uh, in the classroom and how there are certain students who will stand up and, you know, vouch for some misfits and, you know, some students who might not fit in exactly and sort of understand them. And that takes a lot of courage and badassery. I mean, it does to stick up for those uh, who aren't able to, you know, really defend themselves. And another uh, layer to that is, you know, how are the kids feeling in my classroom? You know, do they want to come to class, you know, and their tardiness or their being absent might be, you know, a deeper layer as to what's going on, what's happening at school. I mean, it's definitely something that applies that we can take into her counsel for us and how we, you know, view who we just perceive as troublesome. Well, what really is the underlying cause of that? Yeah. And, and I think it's a very Star Trek thing to say somebody is different, but let me try to understand them and find a way to work with them. But it's something that we're not seeing like a difficulty with this alien species have. We're seeing a member of Starfleet, a human being treating another human being on the ship like they're different and they're an annoyance and they really don't want to work with them. So it's kind of saying like, let's put our principles into practice right here on this ship. It doesn't have to be the case that there's some difference out there we have to deal with. It's right here. So I, I love that. And that's, I think that's one of the things that I like about Barclay as a character. I think that you know, maybe for some fans, they have have an issue like how this guy get into Starfleet or, you know, what's going on with this. But I think no matter what the organization or what the ideals or what the future, there will be different kinds of people. There will be people that that are different and that we need to still understand. And that's what I really like seeing and, and examining. And Guinan understands that, I think, better than anybody else. She has a real facility for understanding the differences among people. Yeah, I think what she allows them to do is just step back and reset and when you were talking about it i was thinking about something that happened just before we come on and started recording so we've got an, a neighbor upstairs i'm pointing up because he's directly above us um who when he leaves the building leaves the door open and so just oh, for the door to the building yeah. yeah so he just it's just annoying because the window blow in and it'll bang the back door and we can hear it in the flat 
and then for security reasons, it's just not good. So it was getting annoying. So we put a sign on the door, say, please close the door. And then there was a reply put on the note. But I'm not going to go into details. But I was like, okay, this could escalate. I was like, this tit for tat, back and forth, and not getting getting further away from a resolution. So like, the decision was to either phone his landlord and then escalate it. And that wouldn't serve any purpose. Um, so I thought, I'm going to be, I'm going to step back. I'm going to reset. I'm going to be diplomatic. And I'm going to just go and speak to him. Just have a human to human conversation. Do you know what? I stood outside his front door for like a minute. And now that way, you know, if you'd start to talk, you'll choke. Like your voice will catch. And you're like. <laughs> um, so I like, I just calmed myself. It was some kind of. Vulcan meditation that I was doing and I felt my heart it felt like it was going to beat out my chest it was like boom 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 um, and I calmed myself down and knocked the door and he was perfectly lovely and he's going to try his best to shut the door so I came down and I was like I felt zen and I felt like I said to you and I'm like I'm an amazing diplomat I should <laughs> but 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 like there's there's a real truth there because sometimes something can happen where there's not really communication going on like you you put like a sign on the door and the guy's annoyed like ugh, you know and there's something annoying back and it could escalate but yeah. you just went up and you're like okay can we just talk about something and sometimes you know just face to face or talking can really mm-hmm. you know get things done where where it's it's very reasonable and and you're coming to their place where you can understand and it's similar with the forge where he might like roll his eyes or be like can you believe this guy and let's avoid him or he could just come up and talk to him and be like look I, I know you've been having some issues. Let's talk about it. Let me see how I can help. And I think over the course of the episode, LaForge takes that to heart mm-hmm. and really helps Barclay participate and save the day in the end. So, yeah, I think Guinan's, what Guinan is doing here is really important in the episode. An important lesson for us, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, excellent. All right. Well, so I'm going to uh, give my first pick since... My first She's one was taken. Amy's uh, so. going to steal one of mine. Watch this. Okay. Well, I'm hoping that you don't have this okay. one. And it's from Deja Q, where Q stabs, or sorry, where Guinan stabs Q with a fork. I love this in part because when you think about, you know, the torture that Q has put her through and her people through. And now Q is human. And uh, it's with Q, Guinan and Data. And Guinan says, I hear they drummed you out of the continuum. And Q says, I like to think of it as a significant career change. Just one of the boys, eh? One of the boys with an IQ of 2005. Data says, the captain and many of the crew are not yet convinced he is truly human. Guinan, really? She picks up a fork and stabs Q's hand and says, seems human enough to me. Uh, I just think, you know, I love that she's sort of getting back at him after years. I mean, we don't know how long of torture. And she's, again, in my opinion, just sort of standing up for all the torture and, you know, mishaps that Q has done uh, with Q had it coming, Other right? races, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Guinan says, frightening one race after another, teasing them like frightened animals, and you enjoy every moment of your victim's fears. 
Um, and so I think she's, again, just standing up for the little people. And I think that is very badass of her. Amy, can I tell you yeah, something? That was on my longer list. Go ahead. I didn't have that. Yes, Joe. I didn't have it. You didn't oh, have good. that on your list? That was not what? a steal. Like, that was definitely one. I was probably going to put it in honorable mentions, but I think that's a great moment as I was looking through it because, yeah, that she she is. That's one of the things. And this will probably come up another pick. She's not really afraid of anybody, right? You've got this omnipotent being. Sure, he's not omnipotent now, but she's not afraid of him, and she's going to let him know what she thinks, even if he might be omnipotent sometime later. So that's what I really like about her. She's kind of fearless. <laughs> she is. Yeah. But she isn't even um, scared of Q when he's got his full powers. So it's like there's right, some unknown who? quantity about her that could, you could imagine her taking on Q and not losing. We don't actually know what her powers or yeah. what she can do. but She does She does the whole thing. She does that. And I'm like, whoa, it's like the Q weirding way. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And Q's like, afraid of her and it's like wow what yeah what power does she have uh that we just maybe don't know about we'll find out next year maybe who knows oh, maybe. Can you imagine maybe, being stabbed in the hand with a fork though it really that would really oh hurt my gosh yeah i mean if it was a plastic fork maybe not as much but it looked like a metal fork <laughs> yeah. yeah that would hurt a lot great picture. and i also like that you know because date is there and she sort of points out to Q, it's like, you know, you could learn a lot from data about humanity, which, you know, because data's an android. So I like that point too. Data's more human than any of us put together. Yes, agreed. Okay. I'm not sure about that. No, statement. it's not. It's, it's, <laughs> you would be wrong then. <laughs> Just saying. All right. Well, let's get to our second picks, Joe. Me again. Okay. This is exciting. So I think I have to, um, yeah, so this is a really kind of frivolous pick. This one is, I was going to put in honourable mentions, but I like it. I think it's quite funny. Um, and Gaiman stops what is transpiring. And it's from Night Terrors and 10 Forward, where everybody's going a little bit stir-crazy and think they're being held captive. And then Gaiman pulls out that, gargantuan phaser rifle from Meggie's 3 and puts on setting 1. There's a big dial on the side and she turns it and puts on setting 1 and like shoots a hole in the, the ceiling. And she says that was only setting 1. Do you want to see what setting 2 is like? And everything, the whole, the brawl that's about to, to break out um, stops. So that's badass of her. She's, she's like the bar, the bar woman or the bartender with a, a shotgun and an old western. Except it's a phaser rifle from Magus 3. That was definitely on my on my longer list, Joe. And I think the only time you see... Well, that's not true. There's actually another one where she does have a weapon. But, I mean, it's rare that you see her with a weapon. But uh, th th it is really great because everybody's just kind of going insane. And she's like, all right, guys, stop. Yeah, <laughs> This has got to stop. This is my bar. This can't happen in my bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a great pick. Yeah, that is a great pick. I actually had forgotten about that. So, kudos. All right, Justin. Well, 
let's see. I need to decide what I'm going to do here because you guys still said you had some obvious picks, right? I have a very obvious one. So, and I need to, <laughs> I need to think about what that obvious one is because I want a different obvious one, maybe. Um, so let me see if I can pick something that's maybe not as obvious. Um, and it comes from the episode Redemption. And this is the scene where Worf and Guinan are in the phaser range. And, you know, Worf is, I think, practice, doing some target practice. And Guinan comes in. He's like, Guinan? And Guinan says, it's a little quiet down in 10 forward. So I thought I'd get off a little target practice. Do you mind if I join you? You practice? I like to keep my eye sharp. I practice at level 14. I guess I could come down to that level for a while. Begin program. And, you know, she she kind of hits her first target before Worf even realizes what's going on. And Guinan says, you know, I had a bet with the captain I could make you laugh before you became lieutenant commander. Not a good bet today. I've seen you laugh. I like it. Klingons do not laugh. And then he misses. <laughs> Guinan says, oh, yes, they do. Absolutely, they do. You don't. But I've heard some Klingon belly laughs that would curl your hair. And Guinan gets a couple of hits. Worf gets a couple of hits and a miss. Guinan says, your son laughs. He's a Klingon. He's a child and part human. That's right. And you're not. You're full Klingon, except you don't laugh. I do not laugh because I do not feel like laughing. Other Klingons feel like laughing. What does that say about you? Perhaps it says I do not feel like other Klingons. And then he misses again. Um, and, and the conversation kind of goes on a, a little bit from there um, where she's talking about him having difficulty, you know, um, uh, that, that his son's having difficulty adjusting to life on Earth and like all of this this stuff, right? Um, and then Worf says it won't be easy for him, and Guinan says, no, it won't, but at some point he's going to want to know what it's like to really be a Klingon, just as you're learning. So I think there's a couple of things going there. First of all, she's intimidating Worf, right? Like, he keeps missing, <laughs> right? And he's just kind of, like, rattled and intimidated by her, which is a hard thing to intimidate Worf. Um, but also, like, in this scene, she's kind of getting to the heart of the matter of, of what is bothering him, and she's kind of like in a way almost questioning that he's really as Klingon as he thinks he is, right? Um, which I think is a valid criticism. And he's learned how to be a Klingon a lot from, you know, what he's read or what he's seen, but he didn't grow up in the home world or whatever. Um, so just like, again, her pushing against it and saying like, are you sure? Are you sure that you're really as Klingon as, as you think you are? I think you're actually learning what it is to be a Klingon. I think that's just a very bold thing to do and to kind of show him up at the phaser range at the same time. So I think there's something really great and, and badass and like that whole exchange. And I think when I first saw the episode, it was totally like unexpected, like, oh, Guinan in the phaser range and she's challenging Worf. And so anyway, I really love that scene. What do you guys think? I think you learn lots about Guinan here. But she doesn't. She only gives you like a, a snippet. She doesn't tell the full story. No. Like coming back it's, down. It's more about trying to learn about Worf than her, right? Yes. Um, yeah. But in terms of like coming back down to like level fourteen or whatever it was, she's <laughs> yeah. It's like those little details where she doesn't. She tells you everything, but nothing at the same time. And it's her ability mm -hmm. in terms of dealing with anybody that she's dealing with, Worf in this case, that. She sees the solution to things way before anybody else. And she just insightfully yeah. gets to the heart of the matter and mm -hmm. and leads them there. I've never I've never yeah. realized this before. I love that scene as well. And I just it always I always laugh when she's like, you know, I 
Klingons laugh and, you know, I've heard big belly and I can just hear, you know, the Klingons that we've seen, you know, laughing. And I just absolutely love that, that she's pointing out to Worf, like, you know, there's maybe something with wrong with your perception of what a Klingon is, yeah. you know? And this is a couple of seasons after a matter of honor where we see a ship full of Klingons that laugh yep. and have a great time when Riker's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I always think of. I'm like, yeah, no Riker. And <laughs> you know, they were getting big laughs. And so I think, like you said, Joe, it just gets down to the heart of the matter and she does it so expertly. I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. Great pick. Thank you. Yeah. It just really mm-hmm. stood out to me. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to choose a very obvious one. And this is where Guinan is counseling Riker in Best of Both Worlds at the beginning of part two. And Amy, Guinan, Amy. Oh, why did you darn, did I steal one of yours, one? Joe? Okay. I owed you. It's on my list, too. I owed you one. It's a great. Yeah. 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 So uh, Guinan just walks into the captain's ready room. And, uh, you know, Riker's a little surprised and, you know, she starts, I've heard a lot of people talking down in 10 forward. They expect to be dead in the next day or so. They trust you. They like you, but they don't believe anyone can save them. Riker, I'm not sure anyone can. When a man is convinced he's going to die tomorrow, he'll probably find a way to make it happen. The only one who can turn around is you. Riker, I'll do the best I can. You're going to have to do something you don't want to do. You have to let go of Picard. Maybe you haven't heard. I tried to kill him yesterday. You tried to kill whatever that is on the board ship, not Picard. Picard is still here with us in this room. If he had died, it would have been easier, but he didn't. They took him from us a piece at a time. Did he ever tell you why we're so close? No. Well, then let me just say our relationship is beyond friendship beyond family, and I will let him go, and you must do the same. There can only be one captain. It's not that simple. This was his crew. He wrote the book on the ship, and the Borg know everything he knows. It's time to throw that book away. You must let him go, Riker. It's the only way to beat him, the only way to save him, and that is now your chair, Captain. I love this exchange. You know, just sort of talking to Riker, telling the truth, saying, you know, get your butt in gear. And again, also, she's sort of in, again, her wisdom that I think is comes through here of how to let someone go, which is very, very difficult, especially when you love them so deeply. And so she's, you know, kicking Riker's butt into gear teaching him how to let go, teaching him how to be a better captain. Like that is so badass on all the layers that she does in this yeah. one little scene. It's a, go ahead. Andrew. There she goes again with the little snippets of information that tell you everything, nothing at the same time. We're more than friends. We're more than family. Is that or goes yeah. deeper than that? But what does that, what does that mean? I don't know. Tell me. I think you get a snippet of what that means in Time Zero, but yes, not the whole but thing. But not the full story. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a deeper connection there. It's true. She gives little bits about herself, but it's really focused on the, the wisdom. And Amy, this is such an amazing scene. I mean, it may be one of the very best in like this, all of her appearances, partly because here she is 
she is somebody who is a bartender who's there because she's known Picard for a while. She's not in Starfleet, right? But she has this special relationship. Picard is gone. Riker tried to kill him, right? Now he's part of the Borg. And and Guinan has the boldness to go into Riker, the captain of the ship. And she's not even in Starfleet or anything and say, whatever you know, throw it away. I mean, that's like such a bold thing. I mean, it's absolutely the right way to go because you need to do something that he won't expect. But that's a really bold thing to walk into the ready room and tell the captain to do that. But I've always loved that line, throw that book away. Because, you know, there are some times I think in in our lives where things are going along a certain way and it's not working and we need to throw the book away for what we think we know about our lives or where we're going and do something completely different, right? So I think there's something very inspirational about it too. And it's inspirational for Riker too, because I think before that scene, he's just kind of like talking to the empty chair. Like, what would you do, Captain? So like the ghost of Picard is like still around and haunting him. And Guinan's like, I'm sorry, I know you love him, but push that away, push away all the strategy, just clear it all away. You need to focus on what's important to save this crew. It's just... It's perfect. I mean, it's it's such it's one of the best scenes in Star Trek. I think it's 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 so good. <laughs> Can I make a prediction? Well, and another. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to make prediction. a prediction. Yes. And this might seem a little bit far fetched, but I think okay when Picard eventually dies in the season finale of Picard season four, and goes to like the afterlife. Just we, predictions. We find oh that the the person that organizes the afterlife is actually gaining. And Guinan says to him, yeah, sometimes I I come down to the your level of I existence. I come down to level 14 of existence. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes I just walk amongst you guys. And I kinda, I was intrigued by you, so I followed you around for a bit. And First, I don't accept the premise of this, that Picard's ever going to die. But... Yeah, I know. It's, t- it's going to be tough for all of us, but hey, he can only live so long. So, yeah. yeah. God as a woman and a black woman at that. I say that here first. I sort of like to think in uh, yesterday, no, no, no. Yeah, yesterday's Enterprise where we see Riker and he's all mangled and they're still fighting the Borg and stuff. It's like that would have been the timeline had Riker not thrown out the book and followed Guinan's counsel. Hmm. That could be. What episode is that? That's in um, yesterday's no parallels. Enterprise. No, that's oh. parallels. Parallels. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. parallels. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I could see yeah. that. Yeah. Giant yeah. beard, Borger everywhere, Riker. <laughs> yes. Oh no, yeah. because Lacutus is still there. No, that's because um, the Riker from that parallel universe didn't get that advice from Guinan because yeah, when or she didn't listen to no, it, no, he didn't get the advice because when she used the phaser rifle from Magus three and shot the ceiling, a ceiling panel fell down and killed her. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Joe's very, back to killing our characters. Very, very dark <laughs> it was timeline. like, it was an accident. I didn't do it. She did it herself. Guy, guy is smarter than to kill herself with a falling ceiling panel. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> How did she know that? Maybe that a plasma conduit above that ceiling panel. Blown up the ship. She's looked up all the schematics. She she knows she knows and she's God know, now, so <laughs> she knows where to fire. Okay. Something like I'm that. I'm on fire mm. today. Something Nobody like agreed. Because we'll say, yes, you are, Joe. <laughs> I did. All right. Well, Joe, let's get to your third and final pick. Me again. 
Yes. This is going yes. way too fast. That's I protest. Round robin. Okay, I would like to do the episode before The Best of Both Worlds Part 2, which is The Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Not, not, not a lot of people know that. So, again, it's a conversation um, between Guinan and the captain. But in this case, it's Picard because he's not been assimilated yet. And there's less of... There's less of Guinan seeing a solution to a problem and leading Picard to that solution and more of a leading Picard to if the worst case scenario happens, then accept it. Humanity will survive. Okay. So she's talking about when um, the Borg destroyed her home world, her people were scattered throughout the universe and they survived as humanity will survive. As long as there's a handful of you to keep the spirit alive, you will prevail, even if it takes a millennium. There, There is the, the extent of her wisdom there. Um, even if the Borg assimilate Earth and assimilate the Federation, there has to be something that will survive of the species. Tell me more about that, why that's badass for her to have this conversation. Again, it's just her imparting her, her wisdom, isn't it? I think. Of how to survive. Yeah, that her mm. species survived and the home world was destroyed and uh, only a handful of them survived. So we've got this experience and that is possible. So don't, I know that the odds are insurmountable here, but humanity okay. will survive, even though it's going to be grim and you're going to lose a lot of people potentially, but you can do it. Like she has faith in Picard and in humanity mm-hmm. to to go forward okay. and into the future. So an inspiring message in a dark time. Thanks. As is as inspiring as it okay. can be. Well, and I think if you couple that uh, with I Borg, and you know that history with the Borg and her people and her complete hatred of the Borg, and then having to face Hugh and having that sort of turnaround where she actually does see some humanity in Hugh after talking to him makes that scene in iBorg even more powerful because of this, you know, like you said, in season three, you know, where she is explaining and what the Borg did to her people. Uh, I think it is a really nice, badass moment there if you pair that with the iBorg. So I sort of snuck one in there. Yeah, you did. (laughs) You're allowed. You're a host. Okay, Justin, on to your third and final pick. What you got for us? Yeah, well, I just want to say a couple that were on my list that we'd already talked about. We talked about Q Who and her, uh, you know, confronting with <laughs> with Q and not being afraid of him. And you talked about the conversation in Iborg where she really turns things around, which is great. But so the one that I'm going to pick for my third pick is from Yesterday's Enterprise. Nice. On your list, maybe not. Um, uh, it was an honorable mention. So honorable good. Mention. But yep. but like it, it was actually one of the first ones that that I thought about. Because and and I'll I'll read some of the the conversation because I think this is a very she's again pushing and this is a very difficult thing and she's pushing against an alternate timeline Picard right um, so Picard is talking to her and you know she's she's saying like they need to send the ship back I think something's happening and Picard says I need more and Guinan says there is no more I wish there were I wish I could prove it but I can't then I can't ask them to go back you've got to. Guinan, they will die moments after they return. How can I ask them to sacrifice themselves based solely on your intuition? I don't know, but I do know that this is a mistake. 
Every fiber in my being says, this is a mistake. I can't explain it to myself, so I can't explain it to you. I only know that I'm right. Who is to say that this history is any less proper than the other? I suppose I am. Not good enough, damn it. Not good enough. I will not ask them to die. 40 billion people have already died. This war is not supposed to be happening. You've got to send those people back to correct this. And what's to guarantee that if they go back, they will succeed? Every instinct tells me this is wrong. It is dangerous. It is futile. And Guinan says, we've known each other a long time. You have known me. You've never known me to impose myself on anyone or take a stance based on trivial or whimsical perceptions. This timeline must not be allowed to continue. Now I've told you what you must do. You have only your trust in me to help you decide to do it. I just love like this, this whole scene because, you know, this is an alternate timeline, but Guinan and Picard here also have this, this long relationship and Guyan is just going to keep pushing, even though she doesn't really have a shred of evidence except her own feeling that this is wrong and the ship needs to be sent back. And so she keeps pushing against Picard and he's pushing back, like, how can I do that? They're going to die. Like, how do you know this isn't any better than anything else? And she is, she's just like, with the force of her conviction, she knows within her that this is wrong and things need to be changed because incredibly 40 billion people have died in, in this war it's it's horrific and she feels like there's something better so this was actually one of the first ones that came to mind because she's in this situation where she doesn't really have anything to back it up except her own feeling but her own feeling is so strong she's going to keep arguing for it even though it's a very difficult situation to send people to almost certain death so i think it's for me it's you know right up there with the best of both worlds part two moment amy is as her best moment in, in in doing what no one else can really she's the only person there that can do that and so she has a big responsibility and again she does that whole thing where she she's telling you something without telling you anything like we are we're getting little bits of information about who Gainan is it's like why would she have this kind of extrasensory perception to know that Something's changed, but not be able to put her finger on it. She adds adds layers to the the enigma that is gaining. She's really annoying for that. I think she's really amazing. She is. For that. No, that's I what I mean. Like, that's I'm like getting annoyed because I've got all these little <laughs> half bits of information, and I'm no further forward. No, I think that is truly badass. Where you can trust your intuition and make recommendations based off of it. And yeah, you don't have any facts, you don't have any evidence, but you know that you're right. Like that, there's so many times when sometimes I just wish I would trust my intuition that I know this is the right thing to do and I'm hum-hawing and I just can't figure out what to do. But like she is so bold and, you know, makes her point of, you just have to trust me. And, and I love that she gets it off her chest. Like I've told you now you get to make the decision. And I love that, that she's providing Picard with the information, all the information that she has so that he can make the best choice. And I think that is amazing. So I have a question that I haven't really thought about much before. When you see Guinan in this alternate timeline, is it actually an alternate timeline Guinan or is it the prime timeline Guinan that has somehow been stuck into this situation and that's how she knows that it's wrong somehow? I've always thought that it's an alternate timeline who okay. knows something is just, up. Just like all of a sudden she knows something up even though she's been living in that reality for hundreds well, of years? 
But you think about the crew, like that Picard is the prime timeline. And so she, so in my opinion, I think that she sees them differently as than what her. But if she is the alternate timeline Guinan, she shouldn't see them as any different. This is the reality she's been living in all along. Right. To me, it makes more sense that somehow through some weird thing, she's been she has some power that she's transported over there instead of whatever Guinan was there. And she all of a sudden feels like this is wrong because it feels weird if they've been living through this. Well, it's because the ships arrived, isn't it? Maybe it does make sense. I don't know. Anyway, a weird thought. (laughs) Yeah, it's but it goes to like, what are her true powers? You know, Mm -hmm. You don't know. I'll nip it in. Because as far I as we think know. it sort of couples with one of my honorable mentions, I'm just gonna sneak in. Um, with <laughs> when she's in the Nexus and like how uh-huh. she can tell the difference between that, you know. So That's I true. sort of put it lump it in that category, sort of. hmm Yeah, I can I can I can see that. But anyway, great moment in a great episode. I tend not to try and think about these temporal causality loops but I really like the the way that it's portrayed in Avengers Endgame where the Hulk goes back to get um, the time stone have you guys seen Endgame Avengers movies? Nope, no. I've not seen it yeah I've seen it so the Hulk goes back in time to 2012 to get the time stone from the, the Sorcerer Supreme mind the bald okay. woman Okay. Okay. Um, and she draws. She uses. <laughs> Are you sure you've seen this, Amy? <laughs> when she draws, they're on the, they're in New York on the top of this building, and she uses her powers to draw like a time, like the prime timeline, through space, and then she says, "If you take the time stone forward to the future, then that will destabilize our power." to hold back the evil that's trying to get to Earth. So the, another timeline will branch off and all hell will break loose out on Earth. So I imagine like every every decision that is made, it branches off to a new timeline. So as to the question, which Guinan is it? I've always seen it as like Guinan, like, it's prime timeline, but accidentally all the events were like changed in the past so it's prime line prime timeline but the events were changed in the past so it changed prime timeline the the events of the prime timeline or maybe Guinan has such special powers that she is actually shielded from any temporal changes or oh. alternate timeline changes <laughs> is there a wee thing on her belt that she, that's she's on. It's in, it's inside her. It's inside her hat. Oh, wow. that's why they're so big. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. That's it. So the device her, is actually never really small, but hat. the power supply for it is really large. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, juice is. That is kind of secret. It's in the yeah. brim of her hat. It's like a particle accelerator. She accelerates <laughs> like protons really fast until they collide and produces en- energy for her her chroniton field. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. solved the mystery of Guinan's hat, yes. She, yeah, and she's actually an agent in the Department of Temporal Investigations, right? Would not yes. surprise me. Sure. <laughs> We've solved it. Uh, we don't need to talk about anything else. We've solved that mystery that's been going on for decades. 
<laughs> Excellent. Okay, so for my third and final pick, I think this is going to surprise you because I'm choosing her interaction with one of my least favorite characters. With one of your least favorite characters. I think I know where you're going, Amy. Yes, and I, think I think it's think something that we talked about the first time I was a guest on this show. But go I ahead. I think so. <laughs> I don't know this. So, um, Justin, help me out with the episode. It's where they get shrunken to rascals. Oh, you're talking about something different than I Rogue, thought you were talking yes. about. Rascals. Okay. That's yes. still with Roe, but rascals. Yes, okay. it is still with Roe. <laughs> um, but what I love is the interaction that she has with Roe. And again, her wisdom and understanding how important it is to be a child and to have that. And I love that she's explaining to Roe, well, let's jump on the bed, you know, at the end. And we can still be, you know, children a little bit longer because it's never too late to experience childhood and the youth and the the innocence that being a child is and knowing that Roe did not have that. And that breaks my heart, truly, you know, being a teacher and seeing kids who don't get to experience a real childhood because of situations that their parents put them in. And that really breaks my heart. And I just, I love that idea of it's never too late to be a child and to have that experience at any time. So I think that is truly badass that she is relaying her wisdom to Roe and, and, you know, when they are jumping on the bed, you can just see the pure joy and the release that Ro has of letting go of everything and just enjoying that moment. I love that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know Rascals is far from everybody's favorite episode, but I, I love it. I think it's a fun episode. But the Guinan Ro interaction is actually very moving. It's like Ro really didn't have a, a much of a childhood because of what the Cardassians did to the Bajorans. And she's trying to loosen her up and have fun. But then at the end, there's this really great scene where... Um, you know, Guinan is back to her, you know, adult size, but Ro is like drawing and she doesn't want it to end. She wants to continue to have what's there with her childhood. And Guinan understands that and says, you know, it'll be there when you want. And she like, you know, I think helps her draw or whatever. It's like so, so moving in such like a bizarre, fun episode. But like it's it it's a great interaction. It's actually one I hadn't put on my list because I wasn't quite sure about it. But I think it it is really great. And what she's doing is something that's it's difficult to do, and there's some heavy stuff in, in Rose's background, yeah. That's a really good pick, and I've never really noticed it before. I suppose it's because it's not the characters we're used to. It's their, their childhood versions, um, which are... Really... Although it is actually the same characters, they're just in a di- like different size, yeah, like, but I think all their mental abilities like visually, are the same. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. They're different, portrayed by different actors, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it never occurred to me to pick Rascals as an episode, but you're right. Um, I think Guinan just embraces embraces being a child again, and she was a child hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Um, and there's a line that Rose says um, where they're jumping on the bed. She's like, "This is ridiculous." As if why we, we're adults, why we're behaving in such a kind of stupid fashion. So yeah, she just brings out that joy and recaptures it, what it is to be a child. It's a really powerful moment. I like it. Well done, Amy. Yeah. Great choice, Amy. Yeah. Yay. 
All right. Well, uh, for time's sake, let's just do one honorable mention. Yep. All right, Joe. I have 17. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, dear. No, pick, pick a number I, one of 17. I actually only have one, I think. Yeah, I only have one. So I really want to mention Time's Arrow. Okay. And it's for a similar reason to like what Justin said about yesterday's Enterprise. Gainan knew something was wrong and couldn't quite put her finger on it. She says to Picard that you have to go down as part of the away team as well. No, she knows exactly what's what's going on because she lived it 500 years ago. Mm, yeah, true. <laughs> she just but can't reveal that... it to him because they haven't technically... She the the Again, guy in the kinda, past hasn't met Picard before. It's that kind of temporal paradox thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, because it's it's kind of like in 1893, Guinan has has never met Picard, but then whenever Picard first meets Guinan, like she's already met him, but it, he's meeting her for the first time, and when she meets him for the first time, it's her umpteenth time. So when Guinan time. comes on the Enterprise first. To be yeah, she like first met him 500 years before. But does she know that? Almost 500. Yeah. She knows that. But Picard doesn't know about that previous yep, history in the 19th he century hasn't until done later. It oh, yes. right. I know it's confusing. Yeah. I know. Time so I suppose line. that just speaks to <laughs> our, her longevity, doesn't it, really? She just yeah, her old. ability to keep secrets. Because... I think, you know, we see her first in the second season of TNG, but I think, I don't know if it's even said on screen, but there's definitely a suggestion they've known each other for a while since the Stargazer days or whatever, which they've gone into in some comics and books, but we've never really seen that on screen. So they've actually known each other for a while from Picard's perspective. From Guinan's perspective, it's even longer than that. Yeah, that's true. Okay. (laughs) Then talking about books, are there any good Guinan books, Justin, that you could recommend? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel, well, there, I'm trying to think if, yeah, I think that does have Guinan in it. All right. So, so Joe, there actually is, uh, there, there may be more, but there's actually a really good Peter David novel called Vendetta, um, which is about the Borg and Guinan. And you find out a little bit more about, um, I think that her sister is in that book. So. It's 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 very good. So that is one that has uh, Guinan in quite a bit of it. I think that's a backstory that I need to know, given the fact that she's annoyed me with snippets of information that tell me nothing. But you don't. I don't know if in any of the novels you actually get to see Guinan from like hundreds of years before, or like what happened with the Elorians and the Borg or anything. I don't think so. But I haven't read everything, so I could be wrong. That would be a good book for someone to write. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe it has been written and I don't know about it, but I, yeah, but that's a good one. Vendetta should check it out. Good. Yeah. All right, Justin, honorable mention. Yes. So, um, it's good that you mentioned rascals because I have an honorable mention from the episode Ensign Row, where we first see Rowan and Guinan. And, you know, I know you don't like Row as much, but Row is one of my favorite characters. And I love what Guinan kind of does for, uh, for Row in that episode. And I could go over a, a couple of, of different scenes, but basically, you know, Roe is, 
intent forward and drinking and and uh, by herself and <laughs> and Guinan talks to her even though she doesn't want to. There's something I like about that, but what I like more is the part later where uh, Ro had come to her to Guinan and said like, "There's all this stuff going on," and she's like, "You need to see Picard. Like, I I trust him." And then uh, and then Guinan kind of comes to Picard's ready room with with Ro like right behind her. And Guinan says, Ensign Roe has some things she'd like to talk to you about. And Picard says, Ensign Roe has been confined to her quarters. So again, Guinan being bold and just taking people into the ready room or coming in. Um, and Guinan says, well, she can go back to her quarters when she's done. And Picard says, Guinan, I don't know why you're involved in this, but... And then Guinan just says, she's my friend and leaves. And then after that, Picard says, please sit down. Guinan is very selective about whom she calls a friend. So in this situation where there's somebody who's like been in disgrace, lots of people don't want her row on the ship, right? But... Guinan knows there's this important information and she's going to use her influence to be like, look, this is my friend. You need to listen. Goodbye. Like, I don't even need to be here. You just need to listen. There's just something that's so great. I think about her boldness to like break through like any intimidation there might be about seeing the captain or, you know, challenging their friendship or whatever. So I, I love that, that scene there in Ensign Rose. So that's my honorable mention. It's a really good thing. I like that. I get, I, yeah, I'm not, uh, Huge fan of Ensign Row. But I think oh, so sad. I know, but I think it's just because I much prefer Kira from Deep Space Nine. Okay. I will say I love Kira. Kira is my favorite character in Star Trek, so I'm I'm with you on that. And I as much as I love Ro, I'm okay that that uh, Michelle Forbes who plays Ro uh, turned down being the first officer in Deep Space Nine and that's af- afterwards they created Kira. But but yeah, I, I I do like Kira even more. Mm. I, I will say that. I think Nana Visitor or Nana Visitor is just an amazing woman. I really like her, like in person. Yeah. Like there's something there's something about her. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the character arc that Kira gets in DS9 is pretty amazing. It's, yes. <laughs> yeah. So one of the strongest. On both. Because, yeah, seeing Nana on the cruise, I. Just a good, good person. I, oh is, my gosh, yeah. so, so yeah. good. And then, yeah, I like Kira. She's my favorite on Deep Space Nine. Yay. So. All right, so uh, I know we already talked about uh, Generations, but I love Guinan's uh, interaction. Uh, again, sort of explaining what the Nexus is. And I just love that she was there, was ripped away, and understands Soren's desire to get back and her ability to curb her desire to get back that she's not willing to destroy a star and you know millions of people and planets just to get back to the nexus like because they were in the same situation but she has the badassery to not you know make decisions like Soren did um, and then have that continual living her life without getting back to the nexus and knowing what that's like. I think that really shows great character that, you know, that she's able to live where she is now live in the moment. And I think we see that, you know, through this episode where we talked about her, her moments. So I just, am going to throw that out. No, it's a really good pick. Yeah. And I had thought about, Guinan and Generations, but it didn't quite make my list. But it's great that that she's there. But I 
I think we needed more. I'm glad that we're going to get more in Picard season two because like, it feels like in a certain way, like Guinan was in all these episodes and we learned things, but we haven't really gotten anywhere near the end of her character arc, I think. So I'm glad we'll get more because in Nemesis, like, yeah, she was at the wedding, but like, you don't really learn anything about her in Nemesis, do you? So, yeah. So that'll be good. Is Guinan, like, just talking about Guinan, is she not about like Picard's kind of spirit animal? Do you know what I mean? Like, she's always there, and she's not just for Picard, but for everybody. And she, I'm convinced there's something, there's something supernatural about her. Maybe not supernatural. Yeah, I think she must be. It's weird how she seems to make Q afraid, and Q is like mm. this omnipotent being. So is it like she actually? was part of some other collective of omnipotent beings that's a rival to the Q continuum. I don't know. I, there's something there that we're not mm-hmm. aware of. Yeah. I don't know. Amazing. Well, let's get to our final thoughts. This has been a great discussion. So Joe, give us your final thoughts. I'm like totally confused about gaining now after talking about it. I'm like convinced that there's more. We already knew there was way more to her than met the eye. But just talking about it and, these common themes that come out about her being like a, a, a scalpel for the psyche. She gets to the, the heart of the matter and um, yeah, I know I coined the term scalpel for the psyche. Um, yeah, so incisive, so insightful and I still don't know anything. I'm entirely confused. But great discussion. And she is, she is, she's the leader of the afterlife, whatever that may shape or form that may take. No, ah, no, I've got it. She basically confides in Picard on his deathbed and guides him into like ascendancy, into her realm of existence. Oh, it's totally happening now. Is that? Joe, mm-hmm. if, if, if this actually happens... I don't know. I'll. I need. A, I'll send a Nobel you a Prize. plane load of Jaffa cakes. Oh yes, a plane load of Jaffa oh, cakes. Oh, any? Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, just <laughs> like in Transfigurations, he'll be like, hmm. and he'll do that. <laughs> Picard. Picard doesn't die. He just becomes an energy being exploring the universe exactly. <laughs> on a different wow. plane of existence. And and he can have adventures with Wesley. Hmm. <laughs> On that side, mm, that's going to be a, a new TV show. We'll have the Pike series. We'll have Section Thirty One. We'll have Discovery. We'll have Picard. We'll have those animated ones whose name I forget. And we'll also have Picard and his amazing adventures with Wesley Crusher. Yeah, the the Traveler Chronicles. Yeah, both cra- travelers. Yeah. Wow, that's gone way. Okay, interesting. Way nuts. We'll yeah. see. That probably won't happen, Joe. Mm. <laughs> stranger things all right justin your final thoughts yeah i mean guinan's always been one of my favorite characters um it, in star trek and it's great to just focus on her for one episode because it was great also you know to to kind of quickly go through all of her appearances because there's there's a lot of variety right there's some other things that are great moments but not as badass but there's a bunch of things here where guinan is fearless. She's pushing against boundaries. She is getting people to realize things no one else could. I think she's just a very special character 
in that way and she's very bold in what she does but i don't think she does it in an arrogant way like q does she just does it with a lot of wisdom and wants to help people right and her motives and intentions i think are always good so that's what i love about the character so just to reflect on it was just really great you know because i love this character and this is the opportunity to really reflect on it and then we can think about it as we go toward you know seeing guinan again in season two of picard which i'm just incredibly excited about i think i don't even know what that'll mean but uh i'm really happy to see that yeah yeah like you both said we don't really know much about her we get these little nuggets and then we don't know anything more um and she has amazing character like you said justin I love the fact that as we went through this discussion, we really saw that she was sticking up for the little guy in almost every pick. I mean, they're just, she's so, I think that wisdom comes from her age and recognizing everyone and everyone is important. And when you, you know, are coming at it with a different perspective, like Jordy was in Barkley and no, we need to get to the the root of it. What is the real problem? I love that she is willing to do that. And her tenacious ability to just live in the moment, like yesterday's enterprise or with Roe, like definitely, again, you get that from wisdom. I think you get that from age and you get that through experience. And so recognizing those things and then applying them to our lives, I think we could all if we were all a little bit more like Guinan, the world would be a better place, for sure. But nobody would know anything about anybody. <laughs> you know, Guinan's very private. Maybe mm -hmm. everybody would be very private about their lives and their origins, you know. All right. Well, listeners, um, I'm going to turn the time over to Justin, who has an announcement for us. Yes, I'll just get right to it. So, so listeners, this was a very difficult decision to come to, but as of this episode, I'm leaving Earl Grey has absolutely nothing to do with Amy or Joe or the show itself. I've loved being, no, it was my sense <laughs> I've, of I've humor. Absolutely, <laughs> no, I've absolutely loved being on, on this show. I've, I've been on here for over 125 episodes over the last two and a half years. Um, I just had to come to this decision because my work was getting busier and busier and I was finding it harder and harder to devote the time that I wanted to to this show, to, to Earl Grey. So um, it's it's um, it's something that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that, that it's necessary, but it was just getting way too crazy and my work's getting even, even busier. So um, that said, you know, I do do another podcast on Trek FM, The Line, which is our Star Trek Picard podcast. I'm going to continue doing that because once Picard finishes airing in a couple of weeks, that will be a lot less frequent and that'll work better in, in my schedule. But um, this this show, Earl Grey, has been very special to me. It's it's changed my life because I've gotten into podcasting really because of, of this show and connected with so many amazing people and had so many incredible discussions. And we've we've kind of dived so deep into into the next generation it's caused me to love and appreciate it even more at the same time when i've talked about it for over 125 episodes i feel like i've kind of said what i need to about the different characters and episodes on on the next generation so um yeah as as of this one this is my last earl gray maybe i'll come back in the future and uh and guest if uh if time allows but but thank you guys so much for like everything that you've done at being such amazing 
co-hosts and I just want to thank, you know, everybody that's, that's been on this show, uh, Darren and Philip and, and, uh, and Daniel that helped to start the show back in 2013 and had so many amazing episodes and were so inspirational. Uh, Richard, who I got to podcast with for, for a long time on this show. Um, and Lee, who I got to podcast with a few times. And of course, you know, Amy, <laughs> you've, you've been here with me since I started on, on this show all that time ago and even before then. And Joe, it's been just incredible podcasting with you and, uh, and getting to know you better. You guys are, are really great friends and, uh, it, it's, it's sad, but sometimes, you know, all good things come to an end, right? Oh, you had to so. finish it there, didn't you? <laughs> oh, God, Sorry. Just damn you. <laughs> so. Thanks, Justin. Amy is, uh, yeah, is crying. I'm sorry, guys. I'm really sorry. If I if I had another choice, I would uh, I would definitely keep going. But it was just becoming way too crazy to keep up with everything in my life, especially the work stuff that I'm doing. So and see the whole thing that I posted on the Bible Conference about accidentally pulling your hair at SDLV to sample your DNA and grow clones. <laughs> it was true. Yeah. The first batch is ready. <laughs> Oh, I see. So my clone is returning as a co-host uh, next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be like, no, that it's seamless. Yeah. So why did I even say this whole thing? Then? I don't know. Maybe just... People wouldn't have even noticed, right? Well, maybe they would notice. Your cloning may be imperfect, but I just wanted to see Amy but, ugly yeah. crying again. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm trying to. Are you okay, Amy? <laughs> Amy's <clears throat> Amy's indisposed. But yeah, like uh, you doing said, this with you, you, Amy, has meant a lot. Always yeah. come back as a guest. Um, obviously we'll have to like we'll be in charge and we'll have to vet you and things like that yeah you'll have to to gatekeep but 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 if also you say too much like, we'll edit you out and things you know <laughs> so yeah but also like um amy and i think this would go to richard too like thank you for giving me the opportunity right and to lee as well because i think when i became an associate producer of this show and started listening to earl gray as soon as that happened, I was like, hey, guys, can I guest on the show? And I was like, probably way too persistent, but I got to guest for a few episodes and then Lee had to leave and I could come on the show. So thank you for giving me a chance and not just like pushing me off because I was sending you guys too many messages. Like, when can I guess next? When can I guess next? So, um, so yeah, let it, me get that straight. Just, Amy's yeah. responsible mm-hmm. for your podcasting career as well. I would say so. Oh, yes. Okay. Me too. Yeah. Same. Yeah. She does that. You're an inspiration, Amy. And you know, we I don't think we even acknowledged it. By this point, Amy, you have been on more episodes of Royal Grey than anyone else. So I think it's 160 episodes. She's that now, old. Something like that. That's true. <laughs> I'm Guinan. You're 600 years old. Yeah. You don't but, look at Yeah, I just... And, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and listeners, just thank you so much for, you know, listening to me talk for so many hours over the last two and a half years, really... Really appreciate it. It's been a very special experience. Yeah. And as a special podcast, shortly, I'm going to edit everything that Justin's ever said together as one oh, super long podcast, and I'll make it available. Yeah, and you'll finish it when you're 300 years old, because exactly, that'll be a yes. really long It'll podcast. Like yeah. Two weeks long. Oh. Okay, I think I've gained my composure. Oh. Uh, sorry, <laughs> listeners. Oh, um, no, I haven't. Um. Hmm. 
Yeah, Justin, we will definitely miss you. You have been uh, my longest co-host here on Earl Grey. Um, <clears throat> you have brought so much to Earl Grey, and it's been one of the reasons why I've enjoyed podcasting so much. With all of your hard work and your great insights and all of your references to the many, many books that you've read and puts me to shame. Um, That's right. There's, I love there's your books. Trek story. There's books. I remember Yeah, this. there's yes. books. Yeah. Somebody going and, forward has to mention books. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, it's just truly been an honor. And then meeting you at STLV and hanging out with you and, and meeting your dear, lovely wife, Rosie. Truly, um, you guys have changed my life, and I, I know that we will continue uh, to be friends and you know talk through social media. But I'm definitely going to miss podcasting with you each and every week. It means a lot to me. Uh, yeah, it's like what Data says about somebody that dies. I can't actually remember the episode or who it is. It's about your your neurons and your synapses and your memory gets used to their existence and not, not that you're it, not yeah. going to be with us any longer you will still be alive um but yeah you won't be on Earl Grey anymore so, so we're going to have to adapt yeah. and adjust to your absence and I'm, I'll just make up Aww. the book references so but yeah, I, I, I will miss that too. And if there were any way for me to keep doing it, I would. It was just like there there would be some weeks where it would just be like wall to wall, like work and podcasts. And it was just, it was getting to be a, a, a bit too much. And I was feeling like I, it wouldn't be sustainable for me to keep bringing to the show what I wanted to. So yeah, no, and absolutely completely understand. And, you know, it, this is a hobby and this is supposed to be fun. And when it stops being fun and a it's chore, not that it stopped being fun. Well, it's, it's that my life couldn't accommodate the time to yeah. do it anymore. <laughs> so right. it yeah. never stopped being, it never stopped being fun. I've always loved doing this with you guys, but it was just like, I didn't have a chance to like rest <laughs> during the week sometimes because, you know, I take it seriously, the preparations that we do and all of that. And, you know, anyway, but you so, made the smart yeah. decision of, kind of the stepping back before it potentially got to the point where it wasn't fun because it became a chore, it became something you had to do and you had to, and you had no work-life balance essentially and everything was just about either work or podcasting. So I totally get that. Do look after yourself. Appreciate you guys understanding. So, but I'll continue to listen and, and love hearing what you guys say wherever you go with it. So, oh, I hope you will continue to listen. I, I mean, of course I will. Oh, Justin, oh. So, like, we only understand because you're here. See, when you're not here, but like, Justin, I sure hate him. Yeah. Stinking left ne- is, Next week, Joe will be like, man, that Justin, I'm glad he's gone. And never, uh, never let's have real fun anyway. now. No, no. What was his surname about? <laughs> What is Ozer? <laughs> I've never heard of that. It's made up. Yeah, totally yeah. like that. Yeah. But. Well, talking about next week, listeners, let's yeah. give you a quick preview. Uh, next week, Joe and I will be covering the time travel episodes from the fan collective sets. And those episodes include Cause and Effect, Time's Arrow Part 1 and 2, which we will miss Justin for. And all good things. So, Joe, we're getting back to some time, time travel. travel seriously. Going to mess with your I'm brain. I think what is a, a what is a like Tylenol or 
Um, what's the really strong stuff that people get addicted to? Oxycodone. Oh, dear. <laughs> so I'm not trying to think of American things that we don't have over here. Um, yeah, things that I'm going to need if we're talking for Some time opiates. travel for a whole episode. Yeah. Even though I have got like a super understanding of physics, um, time travel just bakes my noodle. Well, we're going to bake your noodle next week. And Joe, yeah. I will be listening. So you do need to mention Justin. time travel as a villain. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but that'll be fun. Well, it's been so much fun talking about badass Guinan moments, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere in Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Primitive Culture, a look at history and culture through Star Trek. I think I think the difference is that flashback is intentionally trying to to carve Voyager a little place within the fabric of the undiscovered country, say, and it's trying to place Tuvok. Well, it's trying, it's trying almost to <laughs> to retcon, isn't it? Because Tim Russ was in that film as one of the Excelsior crew, so it's it's trying to do a retcon. And the same. No, no, he was in he was in Generations. He wasn't even in that film. That's the oh, wasn't he? Thing. He was like, and it's and I suppose it's a Brandon Braga episode as well. Brandon Braga wrote Generations. Brandon Braga, I suppose, must have realised some. I mean, maybe unconsciously realised that Tim Russ was in Generations as a different character. He was, so wasn't he? It's almost like a weird sort. Of, um, I've got that wrong. You're right. I don't right. know whether on, on some. No, but I, I wonder whether unconsciously, on some level, that's the connection you're supposed to be sort of slipping into. And of course, that he was serving on an Excelsior class ship. Earl Grey. I want to see that spaceship that's got giant space-time knitting needles, yeah. <laughs> and they just and they just like do that, like as they warp through space, fixing it behind themselves. That'd be, That'd be awesome. Literary treks. The one that I left out that I, that in hindsight, I regret it is the one where he's, uh, is it wink of an eye where he's fighting the guy in the quarters and he actually throws a pillow at the other guy and it hits him in the face <laughs> and, and stops him dead in his tracks for two seconds, long enough for Kirk to get the upper hand on him. And I just, I'm like, I don't even know how to describe this. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to give. I couldn't come up with a name for it. That was probably the biggest thing is I couldn't come up with a catchy name for it. Pillow talk or something maybe in high school. <laughs> Stuffed him dead in his tracks because he's like, did did you just throw a pillow? Did you just throw a pillow? (laughs) (laughs) The Line, a Star Trek Picard podcast. I think I've exhausted the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then let me end on a funny note. The first thing I thought when I saw that Senator beheaded was, well, I guess we don't need to worry about Quentin Tarantino doing a Star Trek movie anymore. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, I, I was actually quite uh, surprised mm-hmm. by that. But <laughs> and his blood <laughs> that, was that very happened. bright green, very. It was bright. very bright green. But, was, yeah, yeah. 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 Bravo! Yeah. Bring green Quentin bombers. Tarantino back. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad or Apple TV or the desktop Apple Podcasts app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review that helps others to find the show. So you guys want one more bonus question? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Joe, this is usually your favorite part. You're like, no. It's the last (laughs) bonus question. As you say, all good things should come to an end. 
Okay, then. There's a yeah, time and um, season for everything. I mean, you guys can keep doing the bonus questions if you want. It's totally up to you. But uh, so we talked about badass Guinan moments today. We talked about it a, a little bit, but um, like, what is the thing that you want to see most from Guinan being on season two of Picard? I don't know if I'm the right person to ask about this. Um, Just project forward. Like, what 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 would it make you happy to be like, oh, we're going to talk about that part of Guinan or she'll interact with this character or something like that? I think, honestly, what I like about Guinan is the fact that she tells you everything and nothing at the same time. And you get... Do you want more of that? Yeah, you've got the Guinan. Imagine Guinan is a giant jigsaw puzzle. And uh-huh. she'll give you a piece but then take five away because those five that you had no longer make sense. And so the the overall arc that is gaining, the jigsaw that is gaining, never, it's like a jigsaw that moves. Never all the pieces kind of move and more if it's like a four-dimensional kind of th- time Rubik's Cube puzzle where there is actually no solution to it. Yeah. I want to see that. Not gaining as a jigsaw puzzle, but just continuing to do what she does best and give us, help the characters be insightful and tell us nothing and everything. Hope that made sense. Sure. No, it did not. <laughs> at all. This like gaining. <laughs> I think I'm like gaining. Like yes. gaining, yes. <laughs> Amy? Well, I when you ask that and thinking about our conversation, like how many different conversations and relationships that she had uh, with our lovely crew of the enterprise D I want her to have those conversations. Like I want her to, you know, interact with Soji. Um, I think that is going to be very powerful. And like her interacting uh, with Rafi, uh, you know, helping her with her addiction and, you know, her situation with her son and, Um, I just, I'm, and of course her interaction with Picard, but getting to see her interactions with everyone, I think is what makes her awesome. So, yeah. Can I, I was thinking about that too. Can I put a little addendum on what I want to see? Which I think is maybe the the more, the most important (laughs) thing that I would like to see from Guinan in season two of Picard is a big hat. A hat, oh, yeah, yes. that's true. Maybe fashion is different. No, I know they later. took away the Romulan shoulder pads. I'm thinking the hat might be a little bit smaller. No, I think the hat's yeah. going to get bigger, but also double as her <laughs> spacecraft. It'll unfold, <laughs> it'll envelop her, and she'll be able to just walk out an airlock and zoom off. <laughs> oh, it's wow. her personal transporter. Oh, there comes yeah, that's zoom. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. I like yep. it, Amy. I think I think it'll be smaller because the thing that shields her from temporal changes, they'll have. Oh, you know, they've improved oh. the technology. The technology will get better. Uh, yeah, yeah, technology makes things smaller. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. So. <laughs> Maybe like a tiny little hat, <laughs> like a tiny, <laughs> tiny little top hat. All right, Justin, wow. what do you okay. want to see most? Well, I mean, you, you talked about uh, characters and and interactions. I'm 
I'm thinking as much about characters we've already seen. I would love to see Guinan and Q again and get it. What the heck that was about that they were talking about in, in Q Who. But also, like, you know, I had a couple of moments here with Worf and LaForge where she was kind of giving them some lessons. And it would be so interesting to see her with Worf or, or LaForge just to see, like, where they've come to, what they can share about their experience and all of that. I just think... I don't know. I'd just like to see her interact with a bunch of people. We just have like the season of Guinan where she just like meets everybody that she ever interacted with on TNG. And anyway, so yeah, but, but I'm looking forward to it and we'll see who she interacts with. Okay. So now that we've gone through that, if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and most third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter and Instagram at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Joe, where can people contact you when you're telling us nothing but something? I thought I'd always like told you really lots of good things that are all going to turn out to be true but when i'm not being super truthful um which is all the time you so when you're lying okay oh no it's double Wait. negative i don't know <sighs> i'm still <laughs> laughing inside about a tiny top hat yeah yeah like the monopoly piece do you guys have the same monopoly yes. pieces as we yes do? okay i think so like there's a boat there's a car there's top hat there's an iron, like a for ironing your clothes. Yes. So. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when I'm not doing any of that or playing Monopoly, you can get me on. You can tweet me on the Twitter at joeyjo77uk. That's the way I like to say it. It sounds old fashioned. You can tweet me on the it Twitter. Does. Um, <laughs> uh, you can email me joepodcast.gmail.com, and you can get me on the Babel Conference. Babel conferencing. <laughs> oh uh, yeah and justin where can people contact you when you're not wearing tiny hats i'm wearing a tiny hat right now it's just so small you can't see I, it <laughs> I, i'm sure i'm sure i saw a shadow yeah i have a tiny tiny guy in hat well you can find me elsewhere on the network co-hosting the line that's our dedicated star trek picard podcast a great time with my friends Chrissy DeClerc Zalagi and Brandon Shamatala talking about Picard episodes as they come out. We've just got, um, I think when this one comes out, there's only going to be one more episode of Picard left. So, wow, future people, you know what happens in episode nine. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to do that. And then the show will become a little bit less frequent, but we will still continue to talk all things Picard. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek and tiny hats. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not, let's see, saying that uh, Troy is the best counselor, not Guinan? <laughs> well, I am always doing that. <laughs> I will defend I Troy to the end. 
Uh, you can find me over on United Federation of Podcasts hosting a show called All Good Things with my good friend Patrick Devlin. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and you can find me on the Facebook um, in the Babel Conference. Would you be Facebook in there? <laughs> I would be Facebook in there oh. and conferencing. Yeah. You guys are sounding much older than you actually are. We are. I was born in 1832. <laughs> if you'd like to help us keep our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits and more, available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host and distribute these shows each month. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers. They are Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebizio, Jim McMahon, Joe Keegan, and Justin Ozer. Thank you so much for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. There was a young man named Justin. After whose podcasts, listeners were a-lustin'. On Earl Grey 317, he announced his time had been, and on the line he'll be Picardin. Oh, that's wonderful, Joe, that you actually wrote something I wrote a limerick. That. Oh, oh, the limerick. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm including this limerick in that things are only impossible until they're not. Great joy and gratitude. Oh, not in the moment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am. Yes. <laughs> be it me. It be me. Joe, it's you. Yes, you didn't. It's always funny when I like lose track of the outline and you whisper, Joe, Joe, Joe. It's like, you don't need to whisper. <laughs> every week. Every it's not week. Even every week. Like two weeks. Well, three weeks ago, you messed up. It's, uh, like, <laughs> well, that's different, but with it's you, common. it's every week. Mm. Yes. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> Do you know what, next time I edit, I'm just going to edit out Amy, and it'll just be me and the guests. <laughs>